Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Hello everyone and welcome once again to our church platform online. It's always a blessing to be able to meet together. I want to encourage you wherever you are, please send this on, forward it on to friends and family. Uh, It's important that we share this in order that people may be encouraged by the Word of God in this time. And many people do not have the opportunity to go to church and some don't have an online service. So please share this even right now. Uh, with your friends and family so that they can be encouraged. We are in a time which is quite um, unprecedented for many of us. Uh, COVID-19 has struck the nation with quite a vengeance, so to speak, and many people are really under quite uh, difficult situations uh, as a result of this pandemic. But we want to encourage ourselves in the word of the Lord. I'm reminded of the time when David was uh, raided, his camp was raided while he went out to battle. His wife and children were taken by the enemy. And the word of God says that he came back and he found the camp completely raided. And the men that were with him almost stoned him because he's the one that led them out of the camp. And all of a sudden, things are bad. And so it says David encouraged himself in the Lord. He couldn't turn to his friends. He couldn't turn to the men that were with him because they were also very upset with him, but he encouraged himself in the Lord. And so this is what we want to do this morning is get encouragement from the word of God. Just another announcement that uh, you might have seen earlier on. We will have our AGM on Zoom Uh, Just after the service, it will be at 11 o'clock. So I want to encourage you, if you're a member of our church, please join us. We'll give you an overview of what God has been doing over the last year and also concerning the finances. It's something that we do statutorily in order that we're able to uh, have our, our, our financials approved and, and audited, etc. So uh, please join us for that. And you, you may participate with your questions and, and we'll, we'll see how that goes. And then uh, next Sunday, we're starting with our mid-year fast for seven days. Um, I want to encourage every single one of us, if you believe that every nation is your church, please, let's participate together. We are going to start on the Sunday. So we start fasting Sunday morning, and we will have our Sunday morning service, obviously. And then throughout the seven days, we'll have uh, prayer meetings on Zoom online uh, in the morning, 30 minutes, in the afternoon, I think 30 or 45 minutes uh, at lunchtime, and then in the evening as well. All of those so that we have that focus. We're not just taking a diet. We're not just abstaining from food, but we're actually consecrating ourselves unto the Lord. So please do not miss those prayer moments. Make it your priority in the same way that you've scheduled an interview for a job. Make it your priority so that you're able to participate in what the Holy Spirit wants to do. I believe specifically that this fast uh, is going to be a tremendous uh, um, uh, grace of God in our lives in order to uh, impart a grace of consecration, holiness, and sanctification. So if you've been struggling with any sin issues, if you've been struggling with habits that haven't been broken or any kind of uh, bondages in your life, I believe that God is going to do an amazing miracle even in this time. I want to encourage parents, let's take our our families together on this. The children might not be able to fast completely, but at least maybe vegetables, something, but take them along and also have the families join on the prayer 
meetings. I want to encourage you, for those of you who usually only fast Facebook and Instagram and, and social media and movies, let's fast food <laughs> as well. It's something different for the body when you're fasting food, and I want to encourage you in that direction. All right, so I'm going to pray for us. We're starting with a new series today over the next four weeks, and we're going to thank God for what he is about to do. So, Father, I thank you, Lord, that your word is alive, and it's speaking right now, and it brings life, and it brings health to us, Lord. It encourages us, and it transforms our lives. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that throughout this series, God, that you will transform our lives, Father, that you will mature us, that you'll strengthen us, Lord God, by your word, even as you've promised that your word will not return void. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're starting a new series, and it's titled God's Plan for Holiness, Sanctification, and Consecration. And it's going to be over four weeks. And what we're trusting God to do here is, especially because of something that we felt as a pastoral team, that God was really saying, even with the fasting as well, that he wants his people to be set apart. He wants them to be consecrated, to be a holy people. Because, you know, it's amazing that God can do so much in your life, but there are many things that God tries to do in your life, but you hinder God because of the things that you allow. Let me say this again. Many times God has a purpose and a plan, and he wants to take you to the place that he planned for you. But there are many things that hinder us and keep us from fulfilling God's plan and purpose in our lives, and many of those are permitted by us. And so today, we're starting a new series called God's Plan for Holiness, Sanctification, and Consecration. Uh, today, we, we're going to go over the next few weeks, starting today, uh, as to how God does that. And as you understand the way that God um, makes us holy and makes us sanctified and consecrated, we will be able to put our faith in God's method and then in that way see the fruit of holiness, sanctification, and consecration in our lives. The first week today we'll do uh, redemption by the blood of Jesus that we were bought with a price. Next week, we're going to talk about how he, God anoints things to set them apart. And we talk about the Holy Spirit and fire baptism that really sets our lives apart and begins to consecrate you. And then week number three, we'll talk about obedience and how God uses obedience to sanctify, to make us holy and to consecrate us as well. And sometimes obedience even to the point of death and uh, especially obedience to the word of God. And so we'll talk about that. And then in the fourth week, we'll talk about uh, holiness, sanctification, and consecration by suffering and how sometimes suffering can make our lives so very special, so very set apart, so very consecrated. And it's one of those things that even though you're going through something terrible, God uses it as a purifying process to continue to bring you through as being wholly sanctified and consecrated. And it's important that you understand that uh, these four stages are both progressive and complementary, meaning that it starts with 
redemption, and then you move towards uh, 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 sanctification by the anointing, and then by obedience, and then by suffering, but also complementary because at times while you're understanding that you have been redeemed, there is an obedience that comes to the faith before you actually get born again. You have to obey that call towards salvation. And so they can interrelate like that. And so it's very important for us to understand that the Holy Spirit saved us for God. And it's important that you don't just think of yourself as a Christian member of a church, but that you are a new creation. You are a new creation. Corinthians says, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away, all things have become new. Now, let's just look at a few definitions. When we're talking about holiness and sanctification and consecration, and many times very religious terms, theological terms, which are important to understand uh, because that understanding allows you to have a certain concept that speaks into your life. Our lives are a manifestation of the renewal of our minds. And so what we understand is very important. In fact, the word of God says that the sower goes out to sow a seed and the ones who, do, who hear the word, but do not understand it are the ones that fell by the wayside and the enemy quickly steals away the word of God. So our understanding is very important. So there's a quote here by John Piper. He's a pastor and he said, sanctification is more than saying no to sin. Sanctification says yes to holiness and glad obedience to Jesus. And as nouns, the difference between sanctification and holiness is that sanctification is usually a gradual process um, in terms of um, uh, theology. You, you are sanctified or set apart or made clean in your outer life. Even though you're born again on the inside, you might not look different on the first day that you give your life to Christ, but more and more you are transformed in that process of sanctification where you are being made holy. And holiness then is a state or a condition of being special or set apart. And it's so important that you understand that, yes, there is a process where God has made made us holy once by the sacrifice of Christ, but then there is a process where he gradually continues to on the outside of our lives, in our appearance, in our uh, actions, in our attitude, beginning to reflect the inside, a holiness inside that becomes a holiness on the outside, a sanctification on the inside that becomes a sanctification on the outside. And to consecrate then means to make holy or to dedicate to a higher purpose. And so it's uh, almost like a, a, a special act, a special act that you do in order to take something from being a common thing to being for special use. For instance, this building here is just bricks and mortar, but once we walked in here, we consecrated and made it special unto God so that this can be quote unquote referred to as the house of the Lord, a place which is a sanctuary, also related to the word sanctification, a place that is consecrated consecrated unto God for holy purposes. In the same way, when we dedicate our children to the Lord, we consecrate them unto the Lord. So to consecrate means to set apart. It's very similar to sanctification. And then once that is set apart, it is consecrated, it's sanctified, and it is holy. So I hope we understand that. Then we're reading here from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It says, but you are a chosen generation, 
a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are, not you will be, you are. You are born into a holy nation because of the, the, the spirit that you have. You are born again from the spirit of God. You are born again from the Holy Spirit of God. So you are a holy nation. And then it says his own special people. You are a peculiar people. You are different. And that is why it's so important. I don't know if our generation of young people nowadays understand that Christianity is not just in the profession. It's not just in saying I'm a Christian. The life that follows Christianity is the glory of what is happening inside. Hallelujah. It's so important that you don't only stop at believing that there's a promise, but that you actually experience it. It's like someone who says, uh, Jesus has set me free from prison, but they, the door is open and they still live in that very same prison. God's plan is not just for us to have a religious sense of God's power and holiness to set us free from sin and from Satan, but his desire is for us to experience the victory of being special, of being a chosen generation, of being a royal priesthood, of being a holy nation. And then it says that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So as we go through this series, I pray that God's spirit will convict you in the areas where you need to leave certain things behind, where you need to actually begin to set up boundaries, where the Holy Spirit will convict you and tell you, this is no longer allowed in your life. This is no longer good enough for you. And it's not because God is trying to minimalize the experience of your life. No, because you only have one cup. It would be the same as having one cup and wanting to have water and coffee in the same cup, but separately. You can't. You have to throw out the water and then fill it with coffee or throw out the coffee and fill it with water. In the same way, God's glorious life is trying to find expression in your life. But there has to be a substitution for the things of God in comparison to the things of the world. You have to choose between the life of the believer and the life of the unbeliever. The life of the one who has chosen to follow Jesus and the one that has chosen not to follow Jesus. And you must decide in your heart to make a clean break and the Holy Spirit helps us. He does, because many times we've made that decision, I'm going to make a, a clean break now. And in our own willpower, we have failed dismally. But when we put our faith in the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, there is a work of the Holy Spirit, not only to convict us of our sins, but to set us free from our sins. Hallelujah. And these are sins that have already been forgiven because of redemption. I'm reading from 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. It says, love not the world. And some may say, you see, there are contradictions in the Bible because John 3.16 says, God so loved the world. We should love the world. Love your neighbor. Okay, let's, when we talk about the world here, we're talking about the system that is under Satan's influence. 
the world, it says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Verse 16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, there we go, the, the explanation, the lust of the flesh in the world, the lust of the eyes in the world, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So these are the three areas where the Holy Spirit will be dealing with you quite fundamentally in the process of sanctification, in the process of consecration and holiness. It's the, the lust of the flesh, the desires of your body, how you, how you manage this temple, this body, how you, what you allow, the desires that you give expression to. And then the lust of the eyes, what you desire, what you covet with your eyes, the things that the world uh, causes to glitter and all the things that draw our attention, the things that we watch, the things that we entertain. And then the pride of life. These are quite fundamental. They are in the heart. The things that make us feel proud. The things that make us feel that I've now finally arrived in life. I've now finally gotten something that makes me valuable. And all of that because of some kind of carnal achievement in the world. And it's so important that we understand that the Holy Spirit in our lives wants to bring uh, uh, such a freedom that we live in an honorable way in our flesh, that we live in an honorable way in our, with the way that we, we handle our eyes, the things that we allow in, and then the pride of life in the way that we establish our hearts on Christ and not on the things of this world. It says in verse 17, And the world passes away, and the last thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abides forever. And this is God's heart. Whenever the Holy Spirit is leading you into a time of consecration, it's for your own good. It is definitely for your own good. There is great pleasure in godliness. There is great peace in godliness. For the believer, if you're a believer, if you have given your life to Christ, you try live in sin, you will know that you're a believer because you can't do it for long. It, it bothers you. You, you, you can't entertain. If you can easily entertain a life of sin while you claim to be a Christian, my brother, you are not born again. <laughs> you are not born again. It is just a nicely washed pig, you know, that lives in the house and wears a ring and all of that and a suit and all. But when the mud is warm, you will still go back there and enjoy it. And so it's very important that you understand that in the process where children learn to to, to become adults. They might stumble and fall, but their disposition is not to stay there. They desire to rise up. And the Holy Spirit is the parent and the helper and the comforter that continues to encourage us to say, okay, let's move forward. Let's move forward. Don't stay behind in your, in your compromise, in, in your mistakes, in your sins, in your error. Come, let's move forward. And the way that God does that through his word, through the preaching, through the church, through discipleship, different ways that we'll touch on as well. So it's very important. If you're a believer, you actually have an internal desire to be like Jesus. This is not something that actually needs to be taught to you. It, you are born with that desire because you are born of the spirit of God. You are born of the word of God. 
the incorruptible seed of the word of God. And Jesus is also the word made flesh. You have the same father as him. There is this same nature inside. So the desire to leave the world and to shun the world is there. But sometimes the world has so brainwashed people and their minds are so captured by the enemy that they are not able to break free. And I pray that as the word of God is coming to us over the next four weeks, that light will enter people's lives and that people will be set free from long bondages and addictions that they've been struggling with for a long time. And I prophesy that this will begin to happen in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so today we're dealing with, okay, how does God do this sanctification and, and make us holy and consecrate us? The first step is through redemption. Redemption, redemption and, and the salvation that we gain by being born again. The word redemption means it's an action of saving or being saved from sin, error or evil. And God has a plan for redeeming the world. But more specifically, more simply, it's also an accounting term that speaks of regaining possession of something in exchange for payment or clearing a debt. So for instance, if a family was in debt in, um, in the ancient world, in, if a family was in debt, they couldn't pay it off, they would sell themselves to the, debt, the, the creditor, and then someone would have to buy them out of that slavery. That is a form of redemption. Gain something that belongs to you, but a payment must be made. And so the word of God has this theme going throughout it from Genesis all the way to Revelation, that God is a redeemer. He's a redeemer. He's the one that pays the price so that we could be set free. He's the one that lays down his life in our place so that we could be set free. And when we are set free, we are not set free to run off. No, we are set free into his ownership because he paid the price for us. Hallelujah. This is so important to accept, to admit. And sometimes it is a thought that many people don't realize that you don't actually belong to yourself. You have been bought with a price. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 says, In him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. So the, the, the token of payment that was made for your life, for your body, for your soul, for your spirit, is the blood of Christ. A life for a life. Why the blood? Because the life is in the blood. So it's actually in him we have redemption through his life, through his blood. The forgiveness of sins accordance, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. Hallelujah. So God's rich grace in the way that he, he surrendered his son on the cross was the payment for the sinner. Hallelujah. That's amazing. And uh, many of us don't have much of a sense of value in our own lives, especially because of the compromises that we've made and the, the, the sin that we've lived and, and the, the evil that we've committed. And we feel that no, there is no way for me to be redeemed and to be brought out of this. But I'm here to tell you good news. The price was already paid. The price was already paid. God is not going to go back and take back the payment for the redemption. 
And so it's important that you understand that the price for your holiness, the price for your sanctification, the price for your, for your consecration has already been paid. If you've been struggling to live a holy life, struggling to live a sanctified life in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit, completely committed, not only saying no to sin, but saying yes to the things of God, really running into the life of holiness fully, more and more, shining brightly and more brightly, because the life of the believer goes from one level of glory to another level of glory to another level of glory to another level of glory. And the life of sin and shame goes into dishonor and dishonor and dishonor and dishonor. And so it's very important that we embrace the life of glory unto glory. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 3 verse 23, it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Yeah. It, it, our sin has brought in a, a forfeiting of the glory of God. And many believers, even though they've, they've received Christ, many times compromise and don't take up the glorious life, the excellent life, the beautiful life, the life of peace and joy in the spirit, righteousness that comes because they, maybe no one has told them that this is what Christianity is about. It's not just about ticking the box that, woof, I've cleared my past. No, there's a glorious future for you. It's not just about clearing your past. It's not about sin management. The sin was dealt with by Jesus on the cross so that you could be free to live for God. It goes on to say, Romans uh, 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are freely, and all are freely, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus, through the redemption. So what Jesus was doing on the cross was paying the price, redeeming mankind, paying the price that it would cost to set mankind into a life of holiness and sanctification and consecration. When we say that, don't just see a life of good behavior, but see a life that is special unto God. This is important. It would be the same as when uh, a couple gets married. You know, they're not just getting married for the status of being married. They're getting married as an exclusion from every other relationship into this wonderful union with one person. This is what marriage is for, that you will have that one unique, valuable person that you share everything with. And so this is what we were, we were set free and redeemed, not just to go and sleep with the whole world. We were set free and redeemed to come into a relationship of marriage with Jesus, with the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are entering into the royal family, into the blessings and benefits of relationship with God Almighty. While other nations are worshiping stick and stone and wind and sun as gods and prostituting themselves with all sorts of idols, we have the privilege and the honor to have this exclusive relationship. And this is why God says you are a holy nation. You are, you are my precious possession. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. And it's sad. I know it's sad that many times you hear on the news about how this Christian did that, that uh, husband did that, that wife did that, and they are all apparently Christian. And I pray that this is going to change in the next four weeks in your life. That in your and my life, that there will be a change, even as we go into the fast, that we will be fasting and trusting God, if not for, for, for at least one thing. Lord, I want to be set apart and consecrated for the rest of my life unto the life of beauty in Christ. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. Look at the words, dominion of the, the control of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his son, of the son he loves. Hallelujah. We have been taken out of slavery and brought into a kingdom of the beloved. Verse 14, in whom, in the son, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Not only the forgiveness as in like, yeah, I forgive you, but the removal of sins. That God is not only interested in just forgiving your sins, he wants to set you free from sin. Because sin brings shame, it distorts, it perverts, it destroys. And so God doesn't want you to only have your conscience clear, but he also wants your life to be purified from the filth of sin. Hallelujah. And I pray that God will give you a hatred for sin even though you love people, that there will be a hatred for sin, even in your own personal life. Hallelujah. God is so gracious. And it's amazing that many people have managed to take a message like this about holiness, sanctification, and consecration, and made it about long pants and skirts and how you braid your hair and makeup. Oh, no. It goes far beyond that. It goes to the very heart. Jesus said it is the heart. Out of the heart comes uh, all sorts of lust, all sorts of adultery, all sorts of murder, hatred, uh, covetousness, pride. It comes out of the heart. And that our focus is that we, even though we try our best to clean the outside of the cup, we cannot clean the inside. Only God can do that. And so when the word is preached, it is to be preached to say, look to Jesus for your consecration. Don't just trust him for healing. Don't just trust him for promotion. Don't just trust him for a husband or for a wife. Don't just trust him for a child. Don't just trust him for land and a plot and a position. No, trust God that the, the promise he made that him who the son sets free is free indeed, that that promise will apply in the life of holiness, sanctification, and consecration. You know, when Daniel was in Babylon, in one of the most wicked kingdoms and empires in the world, him and the three friends said, we cannot defile ourselves in this culture. We will be careful what we eat. We'll be careful how we live. We'll be careful what we do. Why? So that we don't hinder what God can do through us. Where are the Daniels in this generation? that are willing to put aside whatever the culture is forcing down and choose a life of consecration and beauty unto the Lord Almighty. 
And so it's very important that we have this. You know, uh, I saw a quote just this last week that said, slavery thrives in the absence of right and wrong. And many times we feel like we want to shed off, you know, any sense of, oh, uh, uh, that's not right, or don't do this, or don't do that. No, the beginning of freedom is in understanding that Christ has set you free, but do not let your freedom become an occasion for the flesh. Do not use your freedom, Galatians says, as an occasion for the flesh. It is for freedom's sake, Galatians 5, it is for freedom's sake that Christ has set us free. Now, do not use that freedom as an indulgence for, for the flesh, but rather use that freedom now to live the life that Christ would have lived through you. You know, and many times people have this sense that, no, it's fun in the world. It's fun out there when it comes to living in sin. It's exciting. It's fun. No. That is a deception and a lie that is pushed by people who have never experienced the joy of holiness and consecration. Hallelujah. You know, today in our, in our culture, in our society, we have many people that are pushing a liberty that is crossing lines that God has drawn with his own finger. And it is destroying lives. And God hates it because of how harmful it is and how contrary it is to his nature. Even in church, it's happening. It is a shame. It is a shame that the people of God that call themselves believers are no different, are no different in their lifestyles, in their personal lives, in their financial affairs. They are no different from the people who, who are in the world who don't know Jesus. Sometimes you hear people having better marriages. They are not saved, but they have a better marriage than the Christian couple who argues all the time about tithing and beat each other over biblical reasons. What? It is so important that we understand that the, the principle of beauty that comes from the love of God in us should cause us completely to be radiant in our generation, to stand out in our generation. People should be wondering, why, why don't you swear? Why, why don't you drink like us? Why don't you sleep around like us? Why don't you watch this and that? Why don't you do this with your money? Why don't you do this? Why don't you talk about women like that? Why don't you talk to, uh, why don't you spend time with women like other guys do? Why don't you do this and that? You know, why don't you dishonor your parents? And why don't you say OMG and, and, and use God's name in vain? Why don't you talk like that? They should have those questions, not because you're trying to be wonderful and good. For who? <laughs> but because you are wonderful. You are good, not of your own self, but because of the redemption that came through Jesus Christ. I'm reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 2 to 8. I'm reading from the Philips New Testament translation, and it touches specifically on sexual immorality. I like the way that he speaks in a very contemporary tone. So let's follow here. It says, to sum up, my brothers, we beg you and pray you by the Lord Jesus, that you continue to learn more and more of the life that pleases God, the sort of life we told you about before. 
You will remember the instructions we gave you then in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3, God's plan is to make you holy. And that entails, first of all, a clean cut with sexual immorality. Every one of you should learn to control his own body, keeping it pure and treating it with respect and never regarding it as an instrument for self-gratification as do pagans or people with, with no knowledge of God, people who don't know God, pagans. You cannot break this rule without in some way cheating your fellow man. Hallelujah. Without defrauding someone else. The life of sexual immorality always affects more than just you. And you must remember that God will punish all who do offend in this matter. And we have warned you how we have seen this work out in our experience of life. The Word of God tells us that there are judgments coming on the life of compromise and punishment for those who are living in sexual immorality. It says it right there. As much as we have the redemption and the forgiveness of sins, it doesn't mean that there is no consequence to our sinful lifestyles. And we must pray and ask God to deliver us from this thing. If this is an issue that we are facing, we are not to normalize it and say, oh, it's, it's just part of life. The calling of God is not to impurity, but to the, but to the most thorough purity. And anyone who makes light of the matter is not making light of man's ruling, but of God's command. It is not for nothing that the Spirit of God, that the Spirit God gives us is called the Holy Spirit. And it's amazing that by God's grace, the Holy Spirit will still speak to you even while you are in sin, just like Adam and Eve. Uh, right after they ate from the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God came speaking to them. If you consider Cain, right after he kills his brother Abel, God comes speak to him and says, where's your brother? And so just because God is speaking to us doesn't mean that we are right. In fact, the Holy Spirit will speak to us to try and get us off the path of death and destruction. But I pray that God will convict our hearts concerning especially the matter of sexual immorality, which the world has swallowed with the, 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 the whole culture is just pushing it. The music videos are full of it. The, the, the lyrics, the, the beats, everything is reflecting of that. You can hardly watch a commercial today about toothbrushes that doesn't somehow have sexual innuendo in the whole thing. It's toothbrushes. It's toothbrushes. Or something relating to oil for the car. There always needs to be some sexual immorality coming through it. And the, the spirit of the world is against you. It's against God. It's against family. It's against um, honor and purity. It's against it. Don't be surprised that that's coming through. But by the Holy Spirit that God will give us strength and grace to be able to resist and stand firm in this perverse generation. Romans 6 verse 10. Uh, it speaks of Jesus. It says, the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. This is our example. In the same way, verse 11, count yourselves dead 
to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. That means the only thing that's available for me is the things of God. Sin is not available for me. I'm not alive to it at all. If sin knocks on the door, nobody opens because that person is dead. But when God knocks on the door, our hearts open. And then it says, therefore, do not let sin, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. It means that you can allow sin to reign in your mortal body. It means that you have the ability to either open the door to sin or close the door to sin. And God's word is telling us that you have received the spirit that gives you the ability. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And many times we think, no, I can't help it and all of that. And that's the very light the enemy needed to disempower you from saying no. And it says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Verse 13, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God. So there is a not letting, don't allow things, and then there is an offering. Make yourself available to the things of God. And don't make yourself available to the sinful life and the sinful things in the world. And then it says, Rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. From death, that's the contrast. The reason why I'm living a consecrated, holy, sanctified life is not because I'm trying to, to, to impress the pastor and impress whoever else. No, it's because I have been brought out of the, the dirty life. I've been brought out of the sinful life. I've been brought out of darkness into light. I've been brought out of bondage into liberty. Hallelujah. And it's, it's important for us to understand that Many times we have approached our Christian walk like this, you know. I come to Christ and then I get born again and then the Lord is now helping me with all my plans for my life. You know, that is a wrong understanding of Christianity. Christianity is more like this, right? It's, it's a man that, uh, this is the contrast. Many people have this view. Okay, so Jesus came along the beach walking down and then he saw me drowning. And I was drowning and drowning and drowning. And then Jesus took off his shirt and he dived in like Mitch Buchanan and he swam in and he rescued me out and he brought me to the seashore. And then he, he now, okay, said, okay, now do better. Don't go back there, but continue walking, right? Now, if I had plans and, 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 and wishes and dreams for my life, what would happen? I would continue. I just had a mishap there. I fell into the wrong waters, but I continue. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You, you really, really uh, uh, put my plan back on course. I had plans and things are now good, right? That's how some people see Christianity. The right picture of Christianity is this. We, the people are gathering on the beach and there is a man about to be executed because he has committed rape and murder. And he's about to be executed by drowning. He's been on death row waiting for his execution for the last 10 years, right? Because of how long the, ca the case took. Now, by the time that he got his sentence, he's been waiting for a year for the sentence to be executed. Do you think that guy has plans for his life? <laughs> he's on death row. The only plan he has is, I hope I survive, but he's making arrangements to go into death. And now imagine Jesus comes down and he says, I'm going to die in the place of this man. 
after Jesus lays down his life and resurrects from the dead, and the man realizes what Jesus did for him, what plans does he have for his life? All he will say, Lord, tell me what to do. All my plans that I had for my own life, I threw them away because I was going to die. And in the same way, the believer was on death row. He was a sinner on his way to destruction and sin and hell. He had no plans for his life. Nothing good anyway. And so when Jesus rescues us, we come to him and say, Lord, my life belongs to you. Tell me what to do. I used to be on death row. You died the death that I should have died. And you lived the, the life I should have lived. Now come and live through me. Hallelujah. And so it says here, verse 14, For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under law but under the grace of God. What then shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace by no means? Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you used to be a slave to sin, you used to be a slave to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance or loyalty. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves of righteousness. Hallelujah. Wonderful. You know, I was very young when I gave my life to the Lord. I was in grade four when a teacher spoke to me about being born again. I went home that evening. I took a shower. I went in my room, I opened the curtains, and I looked into the sky. <laughs> and I asked the Lord, Lord, be the Lord of my life. I give you my life. From that time, my desire for the Word of God increased. But throughout the time that I was in primary school and in high school, many temptations have come that have many times led me astray from the holy life that God desired me to have. And it, it, it was only when I began to make my commitment to Jesus that the things of the world began to lose their affection. And it is important, especially after grade 11, when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, that something happened, and we'll talk about that next week, how the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the anointing, breaks the yoke and sets the captive free. And, it, and that was really a life-changing moment that really set, set me apart. That was also the time that I got baptized in water because I was christened as a baby, sprinkled, but only baptized when I became, uh, and, uh, when I was in grade 11. And so I want to encourage us. I hear in the spirit somebody watching and you are so discouraged because you failed so many times. Over and over, you've been making your promises, God, I'll never do it again. God, I'll never do this again. I, I promise, Lord. And then you find yourself in the same pit. I've got good news for you, that the Spirit of God coming through the word that is preached over the next four weeks is going to do the work of consecration. You know, it's amazing that when the priest is consecrating something, the thing that is being consecrated is passive. He's the one that sprinkles it. He's the one that sets it apart. He's the one that, and the thing that Jesus did for us on the cross, we had no part to play in it. But all that we need to do is believe. Believe that what Jesus did was enough to change your heart, to give you a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone, to give you a heart of purity instead of a heart of sin. 
And so as we go into our time of fasting from next Sunday, I really want to encourage you in the way that you pray, in your giving, in the way that you watch and entertain yourself, in the way that uh, you spend your time, in the way that you, that you express your desires, in your relationships, in the things that you consume. L let's begin to consecrate our lives. As the Holy Spirit is speaking, He will begin to say, no, no more for you this, no more for you this. And don't think of it as something that the Lord is taking away, but He is removing the water so that He could pour in the coffee. He's removing the coffee so that He could pour in the water. He's removing that which is taking the place of the Lord Jesus Christ in that area in your life. And so I, I hear somebody that is really discouraged. I, I ask, I ask that you pray with me right now. That's you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I know that I've messed everything up. Lord, I know that I haven't lived up to your desire and will for holiness and consecration and sanctification in my life. But today, your word is cutting my heart and I repent today, Lord. Change me by your word in Jesus' name. And so I want to pray a blessing over this series and over you. I declare in Jesus' name that over the next four weeks, there will be a massive transformation that your family members and friends will begin to notice such a change that there will be a purification in, from the heart to the outside. It won't just be things that I'm doing on the outside, that you're doing on the outside, but something will be changing on the, on the inside. Your affections will change and that you'll be consecrated unto the Lord and that you'll begin to walk in that journey of holiness from one level of glory to another level of glory. So Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. We open our hearts and we say, Lord, have your way do your will set us free start today and father even as we fast lord i thank you that you will answer with fire and that the sacrifice of our lives will begin to be a pleasing aroma unto you in jesus name amen amen continue to be a blessing wherever you go continue to take care of your family continue to be 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 um be cautious and, and prudent with all the regulations. And we want to encourage you to stay in the Word of God. Once again, subscribe and like this video so that we can forward it on to those who need it. And we will see you soon. God bless. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.